Uh, I'm so happy to be back here in the Philippines for my first time in six years and back in Lighthouse. And this is really the golden. I love my life. I love it now. I love every day of it. And I, I hope I never feel differently. But there was just something very precious, like magical, about our, our 18 years here. We were here for that great inflow of people seeking the Lord that started in the late 80s and just continued on a new church planet every eight hours across this land. Uh, 15% of the nation turning in their heart to the Lord. And so it was a very exciting time. I was quite young. I was just 30. Uh, and to be here and to uh, learn, really learn ministry, and I thank God that I learned so much about ministry in the Philippines from Filipinos, because you had a way of, like, in the West, the idea was you have to intellectually convince someone to believe new doctrines, and then, then they can make a decision to the Lord. And in the Philippines, they just include you in the group, and like the minute. We started these, these groups, and I knew that not many people in our little house church, which became this, uh, knew the Bible. And I certainly didn't want them teaching because I didn't know what they'd talk about and what they'd say. Because, you know, in those days, so many of them, they had backgrounds and all kinds of mystical practices and, anyway, all the superstitions and things. So I just said, all right, all you get to do is sit in a circle, tell the truth about your life, pray for each other, and eat food. That's a cell group. That's all we do. And so within two weeks, I heard the reports back, and they'd have people in that group that were like, this guy's a scoundrel, that woman's on drugs. There's like, it's beautiful. But this was the part that amazed me, and they said, so when everybody tells the truth, we just make the next person pray for them. And these are people that are like, I have never prayed in my life. It's like, it's okay. We're, we're all just learning, and they would. And just by the doing of the way that Jesus lived, they started to meet the Lord. And it was like, it wasn't all education-driven. It was just community. And I, I came to feel that it was osmosis. And you just share the health of the body and the healthy ones. It just spreads and some of the disease and other people, it just sort of leeches out because they're in community. And so that's why this is called Lighthouse Christian Community. We weren't trying to dodge the word church. But we just understood the impact that a community can have on you. And you taught me that more than any, more than any place in the world. The Philippines uh, shaped my view of how to evangelize and how to disciple people. And I've gone on with that. I learned so much here. And uh, we're just grateful for everybody whose lives we connected with. And I'm really happy that there's so many people that I don't know because that means this, this tree is growing and it's bearing fruit. And one thing that we learned early as a church is that the core of ministry is building big people. You just never stop doing it. That it's you know, uh, you can, honestly, I'm not all that impressed anymore when someone shares their big, bold dream and their big, hairy vision for their life and all their big goals and their bucket list, because it's still selfishness. 
And that's the worst thing in the world. That's what's wrong with the world. But when your big dreams are for other people, oh, you're precious. And you know what? You're going to achieve so many things in life. Even if you don't set many goals, your life's going to be amazingly great. Just because you are focused on being of service to others. Because really, that's the core of the marketplace. That's what they're looking for. I have a problem. Can you help me solve my problem? And when you've already switched over to that mentality, you get it. And you're just there to build others up. And that's a beautiful thing about this church. It's so healthy in that way. And uh, I just want to really applaud uh, Pastor Jojo and Sister Rose and the ministry that they have here. Please do. Uh, Pastor Jojo has always been, everybody who knows him, they pick up on his competence, his intelligence, he's articulate, thinks clearly, but he's, he's a man of character and principles, and I just so appreciate uh, what you bring to the church and the strength that's here, and I love what you've done with the place. Uh, it really, it's amazing. Mm. Now, there's so many people in this church that we can all be proud of, and I really you know, Mark and Vi are first-time missionaries, and they haven't been home for four years, and boy, are they excited to come home. But I hope you are so proud of them, because I have met many missionaries in my life, but they are some of the very, very, very finest people I have ever seen in the mission field. And they are, their focus this is the sad truth. Most church energy does not go to evangelism or even discipleship. It goes to church maintenance. It's Sunday services, things for Christians to do with Christians. It, it starts off as a small amount of our energy, and over time, it overwhelms the system. And it's pretty much all that we do as a church. And so as a senior leader, you always have to figure out what you're going to cut off because energy is finite. And what are we going to stop doing so we can reposition ourselves to do a better job at evangelism? Uh, and missionaries are no different. Most missionaries are serving the national church, trying to strengthen the national church. Very, very few are doing direct evangelism. And Mark and Vi are doing direct evangelism to unreached people, Hindus, Buddhists, Muslims, are hearing the gospel every week. Young people are hearing the gospel, and they're so innovative. You know, they're not going there with a four spiritual laws tract or wanting to talk about your religion versus my religion. Uh, they go there talking about mental health. And they've developed a two-hour mental health workshop, and our Thai team gets together, and they all go to college campuses, and they take 30 students at a time, and they introduce them to Jesus, the God of the sound mind. They don't talk about the other parts of his work. They just talk about the mind of Christ. And boy, everybody needs that. And they come forward for that, and then that starts the discipleship process. Uh, and hopefully he'll have a chance to talk a lot more about that. And you, but I'm just saying, you ought to be proud of him. Um, and uh, there's two people sitting right over there that I'm really proud of. And one is Lainey. And because uh, I have children all over the world. We have, if you don't know me, I, we have six kids, three born here. And out of six kids, we will have our 12th grandchild in about two weeks. And so that's awesome. 
But in addition to our natural children, God has given us kids from all over the world, and they are close to our heart, and we stay close with them. And we are in a, a new phase in our life, in our ministry, and we are expanding in a lot of areas and having to turn things over in other areas. And so Lainey has come on this year, and she is uh, our Director of Operations for Emerge, uh, which is a 501c3. That's a nonprofit. It's a funding agency, and also uh, she'll be that same role over Media Lights operations. So everything operationally, uh, she's a supervisor of that. And so you know Lainey already. Uh, you don't know. Let me ask a question. How many of you know somebody from Ethiopia? Raise your hand. I'm going to fix that problem. All right. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, I want to ask Lydia if she'll stand. Actually, I, t I just whispered, I'm going to make you go on the stage. So just going to make her nervous, but she's coming. This is Lydia, and she's from Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. And she, became, she came into our lives as a Medialite student and then has stayed with us as staff all these years, and as of a week ago, she is the new director of Media Lights. I want her to introduce herself. I want her to introduce herself and then tell you a little bit about what Media Light could offer to you or to your young people. Thank you. Good morning, church. Oh, what a joy to be here. Uh, for the past seven years since I've been... Um, a Media Light student, I've heard so many stories about Lighthouse. And then to be here finally and to see all of your faces and to um, meet everyone, it's such a blessing. I'm so happy uh, to be here. Um, also, my first time in the Philippines, I enjoyed everything from the food, <laughs> the people, the weather is so good here. Uh, yes, I enjoyed everything. Um, yeah, so I've been part of Media Light. It's been seven years now. Um, and we've been uh, working into media and missions. And we all know, or most of us know, today's language is media right now. And then if we want to reach people, young or old, we need to be able to speak that language. And as for us, we want to be fluent in that language. So that we've been training missionaries, young people, content creators, YouTubers, um, into learning the language of this age and to reach out um, because if we don't say, if we don't share the truth and we have the truth, um, people can't hear it. So it has been, um, yeah, uh, it has been such a, a good journey learning and how to reach, how to speak that language, how to become a content creator and share the truth. Um, so this also be my invitation for anyone wants to uh, know and learn that. Uh, we run the school every year, and for this coming year, we will have two schools. So you're invited. Um, find me before I leave. I can give you some information. Also, you can find us online, uh, Media Light Network. Uh, you will see what we're doing. Um, and I will be so happy to tell you more details of, of what Media Light is doing. All right. Medialite Network, and that's our name across all social media platforms. And you'll find me 
at Chuck Quinley, one word. So just help me out. You can get me launched. You know, Filipinos are like the most networked people in the world online. And we were the first to get to do text messaging. That's when I was here, and and it was free. And then, boom, wow, learned to do it. And it's amazing. You're the most networked people of all. All right, I want to talk to you. Um, I'm in my 60s now, and I have been through the 70s. Those were cool. And then the 80s, bad clothes. And then the 90s, you know, year 2000, right here. Actually, 90s, I was, I was here the whole time. Year 2000s. And I've gone through all these decades, but honestly, I have never seen the world the way it is right now. We've had crises of many kinds. Uh, 9-11, you know, was a big moment. But it's still, it was a very stable world. It was a stable world that had an unstable attack. But that's not what's happening right now. We are in a massive transition moment in the history of the world. There are global shifts that are going on. Part of that is we are merging with our technology. Uh, you, already, you have already become glued to this device that's causing neck trouble all over the world because you see people walk around doing this. Um, I, was, uh, I was in a mall a couple years ago I was walking through this mall, and it was like a scene from a movie. Everyone was silent. No one was talking. They were young. No one was talking. They were all separated, like five feet apart. They're all staring, like intently staring. And I'm walking, and I just started testing it. I'm walking between them. No one's moving. You know, I was like, is this a setup? You know, that's going to be a flash mob. What are they doing? And then, I, so I just walked off. Finally, I said, this is so bizarre. It's like they're all in a trance. And someone said they found a Pokemon. And they had run all the way across the city to track him down. And he, it's here, it's here. You know, so they're just so intent on their phone. Well, it's happening. And a lot of other things are happening too. But it's destabilizing the whole planet. Things that used to be solid structures of government and and family, and even gender, are now being like, oh, that's not true, that's not true, that's not true. Well, there's, if this building had no, those foundation beams, you take them out, and you watch. It won't be long, and nothing's blowing. It's just the weight of the world, and that's happening to our world, and we're seeing anxiety at record levels. Young people, they're supposed to be like wild and crazy, and they're scared to do anything, and just like this fear has descended, and it's caused a lot of people to become so cautious, so scared, and and actually so fuzzy about even what to do, what to do in life, what to dare to do, and it's just like, be careful, be careful, be careful, and and I I still travel, and I go around the planet, and I'm, I'm seeing this as a new global default, and I want to talk to you about that. Because it's easy to have confusion when you've got anxiety and you don't, you're just unsure and you're unsteady. It's easy to feel confused. So I think God's Word has a lot to help us in understanding what we ought to do. So if you'd open your Bibles to the very first page, which honestly, if you want to understand the Bible, I only, I only got this about five years ago. 
I wish I had known it, but things happen when they happen. If you want to understand the Bible, you need to spend about three years on Genesis 1 through 12. Every word, every metaphor, every image, every pattern, because the whole Bible just repeats Genesis 1 through 12 over and over and over again. And it ends back at the tree of life. Uh, so it's this amazing artistic movement. But you'll find your answers generally to most things in Genesis 1 through 3. But if you just keep going there. So I want to read you. Actually, would you stand with me? Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to read from the New King James Version. Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 26 through 28. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Would you put your hand on your heart and pray this prayer out loud with me? Heavenly Father, I've come into your house to hear your word. Soften my heart, open my ear, so I can hear, and anoint your servant to speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. I want to show you a quick video that we, we just had school. We just finished. And this is 90-second video. It's about this passage, but it's also an example of the kind of training that we give at Medialite. And this is what student, this is a student project that I'll show you right now. So let's go ahead and roll that. As humans, we gaze into the vastness of the night sky, seeking our purpose and meaning. But to arrive there, we need a starting point, one absolute universal truth. Here's one. We are all creatures. From the tiniest to the grandest, we've all been made by someone else. We opened our eyes, and we were here. This is true for all living things on earth, a lineage stretching back through ancient times, leading us to the beginning, where we finally discover the one who began it all, the maker by whose work the first creation drew the breath of life. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. This one truth unites all living beings we can't know who we are until we accept what we are. Creatures made in the image of God. Discovering purpose begins with humility and gratitude to our Maker for the gift of our life. That's a secure starting point. 
Are you grateful for the gift of your life? And we complain about it all the time. But are you grateful? Like that's, that's a question I think we all have to start with. What is the appropriate posture of a creature toward its creator? None of us are gods. None of us are makers. Nobody asked us for permission to make us. We just opened our eyes, and we were here. And we were made by our parents. And they were made by others and by others. And it keeps going back, but we're all creatures. The same is true for every animal, for these plants. Nothing is an original. Nothing made itself. We've all been made. And I think the very first thing is to be grateful. Just to start every morning, you know, so grateful for the chance to be alive, the chance to be born, the chance to have this life. And as we read in the text today, when God created humans, He made us in His image. He made us to reflect Him. And God's own name, in a nutshell, means freedom. I am what I am. I will be what I will be. This, we call this agency in theology. It means you are in charge of you. You will be as good as you want to be, as bad as you want to be, as strong as you want to be, as fit as you want to be, you. No one's in charge of you except you. This is true from the time you're a teenager. You are in charge of you. Somebody's in charge of managing your life, but it's not your wife. And it's not your husband, and it's not your mom, and it's not your dad, and it's not your boss, and it's surely not the government. It's you. No one has to give you permission to live and rise and thrive and grow. Give yourself permission. It's your life. It's your one life, but it is yours and only yours. And you have agency this translation used the word dominion. We have a word dominate. You dominate the life you have been given. And you dominate anything you create. You have dominion over. And we're, we're each given a little world. A little world of our own. And some people are happy with a really tiny little world. Like they hardly go out of the house. But other people are just like, Restless for a bigger, bigger, bigger world. But in the end, even an empire is a little world. And it exists for a speck of time. But that's yours. That's your moment. And you take your moment. And that's what God is telling. And he keeps repeating it. It's not like this is just, a, you know, a, I don't know, just a notation in history. This is a challenge from God over and over again. And he tells Adam, you're going you're gonna to have to take agency. You're going to have to take charge of your life. You got to take charge. Is anybody here into plants? You got to take charge of your garden. Your garden has a will and it wants to do what it wants to do. And that's the difference between a wilderness and a garden. A wilderness just does whatever it wants. Survival of the fittest, big plants choke out the little plants. A garden says somebody took agency and they are taking dominion over that yard. And they're saying, no, you're not growing anywhere you want. This grows here because it matches that. And you see the beauty of a garden because somebody took charge of it. 
and said what it would be. And they need that. I love what I see every time I come. I try never to be in the Philippines without going down into the barrio. And I go down in there, and I love to watch what uh, the whole sidewalk Sunday school scene is about and how those kids, you know, 12 years old, and they're in there, and when you watch them leading, they're not going, no, guys, what do you want to do? It's like, sit down, boom, raise hands, clap, clap, clap. They are in charge of those kids. It's such a good life lesson. You take charge. And a lot of those kids, they would never want to disappoint that 12-year-old because it's the only person in their whole world that's trying to take charge of them and help guide them and help push them, release the greatness in them. There's no one else in their life like that. Authority, dominion, it is so powerful. God wants you to rule your life, your own little world. Here's the big secret to that. Only actions matter. Well, I've been thinking about it. Thinking is awesome. You should think a lot. It doesn't do a thing. Yeah, but I'm feeling sad and I feel real depressed. Just, you know, have some sympathy. And it's like, that's emotions. They're great. And then they're not. Depends. You know what? I can tell you about the happiest day of my life. It wasn't even a day. It was the happiest second of my life. It might not be what you expect, but I remember it. I will never forget it. I was on the operating table. They were about to slice my knee open and do surgery. And uh, they were hooking me up. And all of a sudden, I, I have never been, I'm a very like flat, emotional person. I was I have never felt this happy in my life. I was, I, I just turned to the person beside me and she saw that look on my face, the joy, the, the happiness. And she said, I gave you a drug. <laughs> she said, it's called a, what's this called when you soar? You, help me out, euphoria. Whatever you would put on the end of a word like that to mean this is what causes it. So she said, I gave you, it's a medicine that causes euphoria, not just happiness. Like, oh my gosh, my life is so wonderful. You know, so it's just chemicals. So am I really going to let my agency be tied to what chemical goes through me because of whatever, I'm low on sugar, I'm high, I can't live. And, and that's where I think this generation is really getting off into the weeds. That the emotions I feel every given moment are the thing on the table that we really need to pay attention to. I can promise you, I've lived through a lot of things, on, and the Bible says so too, only action matters. Only action will change your life. Only action, well, you, the, the whole idea of agency Rulership. Rulers take action. They don't just think. They make policy. They make war. They put people in jail. They write laws. They rule. And every bit of that is about the actions that they demand and the actions they reward and the actions that they punish. And in your own life, if you want to get ahead, you've got to learn the power of habitual actions getting up early, taking cold showers, working out, not having two plates of food. Because if you do that action, that's going to mean 
five extra pounds every single year of your life, and that's going to also start to compound, and oh, I'm so sick, my heart's bad. Well, your heart's bad because of the actions. It's always the actions. I wish my marriage was better. Pray for me. It won't help. I'm sorry, it won't help. A happy marriage is a marriage where the two people treat each other nice. And every day they take actions. They control the tone of their voice. They just don't get mean to each other. They cooperate with each other. They share duty. They do the work together. They both contribute money. and find, They act. Those who act well have happy marriages. They have good relationships. Yeah, but I'm reading a book about reading books is awesome. It's not action. Well, I guess reading's sort of an action. Super passive. But all of these things, see, we're, even in church, we're so focused on believing. But do you believe the right belief? Do you, is your doctrine exactly the doctrine that I say is the right doctrine of all the doctrines? And it's just as thinking, 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 study, education, study. you got to and read Jesus. Just without anybody helping you, just read and look for what he's focused on. Did you give a cup of cold water to that kid? John the Baptist. Someone says, oh, what shall I do? And he says, take off that coat you're wearing and give it to that guy who's got no coat. It's winter. He's shivering. You obviously have two coats. Actions. God wants actions because only actions will change your life. There was a day where I had to stop thinking and ask Sherry if she would marry me. I had to take action. I could have thought about it, could have prayed about it, could have studied, could have talked to my friends about it. I could have seen how I was feeling about it. None of that matters. It's all preparation. Well, you should pray. I did. I prayed all night, like for a week, every night. I walked the forest praying, should I do it, should I do it? It still didn't make me married. But it gave me a settled peace in my heart that said, take action. Go ask her. And I did, and it worked. It worked out really good. Another thing about actions, and it's why they're so important, our actions reveal the truth of who we are. I don't know if you've ever seen that. You can look it up on the Internet. J-O-H-A-R-I, the Johari window. And that means there is a truth about, about all of us. I'll say me. There's a truth about me that only I know. You don't know it. It's my private conversation. It goes on in here. It's how I'm feeling about things when I don't telegraph them with my face. And I can keep it inside. It's my own thoughts. It's who I think I am. And that's real. But you don't know it. But there's also a part of me that I can't see it. But you can see it. And people who live with me, they have a perception of me. And it's true. Because perception is reality. And they see me differently. And there's a part of me that we both see. And we share that part. And, and that's our bridge for a relationship. And then there's a part of me that you can't see it, and I can't see it, but God knows it. He knows it's true. And Jesus would come upon people that he hardly knew, and with the eyes of the Lord, he would look at them and say, you should follow me, and I'm changing your name. Your true nature is so much better than you think it is. And he would give them this awesome name, and they would start seeing themselves differently. 
because of the Lord's work in their life. I'm so thankful that I see myself differently because of God's work in my life. But who we really are requires actions. Actually, the action creates the reality. And it reveals the reality. David was a courageous boy. He was not a giant killer until the day he took a stone and killed a giant. Then he was a giant killer. Saul was a pretty, you know, dynamic leader. But his actions started undermining him. But David took actions and they revealed the courage in his heart, the fear of God that he had. But the actions didn't just reveal it, it created it. This is the important thing about the actions we all take. We take these actions. Well, here's the rule. If you study drama and uh, story, you learn a thing called the rule of character. And this is what it says. You can never trust a person's words to be the truth. Sometimes even the words, when they say the words, you know it's not true. You know they're telling you something that's not true by the tone. You know, they even give you a hint that, yeah, this is really not true, but I'm going to tell you this story. But if you put a character under pressure and you make them make a decision, it will reveal the truth about them. The greater the pressure, the more accurate the truth. If your character has to suffer for doing a certain thing, but they would be rewarded for the other thing. And they choose the thing that makes them suffer. They choose it freely with their agency. They've revealed a great truth about who they are. And that's why there has to be persecution. That's why there has to be opposition to those who follow Christ. Because he had multitudes following him for the loaves and fishes, for the blessings, for the hundredfold return, for all the bless me, bless me, 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 my favorite person, me. And he just was fed up with it. And so he wouldn't be the nice Jesus that they all wanted. And they'd get mad at him. And he was like, good. Go away. Your actions revealed to me that you are not my disciples. You are not following me. You just want free food. Actually, I have a new sort of favorite verse. I'll go ahead and take you there. The book of Revelation. Revelation, last page. I started on the first page. I'm going to end on the last page. Revelation 22, verse 13. I've only now started preaching on this. I was amazed. I kind of ignored it when I first read it. And I I just kept reading it, and then I got it, and I understood why it's such an important verse. And I really think verse 11, if you have a red-letter Bible, should be red-letter. Now, this is the end of the story, okay? This is God's last chance to talk to humans. He's already showed you the future that's going to happen, the pressure on all of us that is going to come one day and is already coming, and will increase... And we will all have to make a decision by actions if we are disciples of Jesus or not, if we are willing to suffer for Jesus or not. We will decide one by one. We will decide. And that decision will reveal 
who we really are. And this is what the Lord says. He who is unjust means crooked. He who is crooked, let him be crooked still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he who is holy, let him be holy still. Behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his what? He didn't say doctrine. He didn't say belief. He didn't say membership. He said his work, his actions. I want to read it again. Behold, I am coming quickly. My reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work, to his action. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I think the whole purpose for this life that we're in is to reveal with free will. We have free will and the angels have free will. They have made their choice, loyal, not loyal. And we are now making our choice, loyal or not loyal. We all have agency. We all have the ability to make choices. We all take actions. And these actions create us and they reveal us. And as I'm reading God, he's searching the earth for the loyal. And he's finally come to a point in his relationship with humans. And he says, would you just vote already? Just pick a side. I'm not begging you to be my child. It's not like I can't live without you as my child. I'm, I, I would, everything about me is about you. So I'm redeeming the world. We're starting over. We're going back to the paradise that I created this place to be. And I'm just saying, be yourself. If you are in your deepest core, wicked and evil, just be wicked. Be evil. If you are filthy and divisive, you just be the snake you are. Reveal yourself. Just choose a side. I would rather, he said earlier, you were hot or you were cold. Lukewarm, can't deal with it. If you're going to vote, vote for the darkness or vote for God. But vote. Make up your mind what you are. Choose. Your actions will determine your future. It determines your you're standing with God. It's your actions, not your thoughts, not your words, not a, a little eight-word prayer. Your actions. Are you a disciple of Jesus? Disciples of Jesus do what Jesus said to do. It's the core. And I just want to invite you now, at the end of this service, if the musicians would come, to take action. There are some of you here, and by the will of God, you have been allowed to be in the house of God. Maybe your friend brought you here. Maybe you were very hesitant about coming here. And really, I think we all know why. If we hesitate to draw near to God, if we hesitate to bow our knee to the Lord, we all know why. It's about agency. We're in charge of our life. We're doing the things that are wrong, and we know that. And they're pleasant in many ways. And we don't want to stop doing them. And we know in our deepest heart we already have a, a conscience that tells us you can't keep living the way you're living. 
and say you are serving the Lord. If you're going to serve the Lord, he must be the Lord and he will make changes in your life. He will demand that you make changes in your life. And one thing I will not say to you is just try Jesus for a week and then you can abandon him. Don't do that. That would be the worst thing you could ever do. But I would say to you, you need to serve the king. You need to serve the king. You know, in the old ways, there was so much sort of goodness in the world that even the badness, you could hardly see it. And nowadays, it's like, no, it's becoming crystal clear. You know, the evil is raising banners, and they're joining together, and they're becoming more and more fierce. And this is the way it's described. But this is a day for action, and this is a day for decision. The good news is, no one decides your life except you. No one can decide your life, your future with God, your future with yourself, the kind of life that you live. You know, I live and all believers live. If you're walking with the Lord, we live, we live under this sort of a, an umbrella. It just follows us everywhere. The Jews called it shalom. It's just a, a peace that is protective and it's over your life. doesn't mean bad things don't happen. They do. But there's a presence. There's a there's a near presence of God with us and we can make the hard decisions and we can do the hard things and even when we do them there's an internal reward it feels right it feels pleasant because and that's the end of that he says if you're going to be wicked you just be wicked but then is the other side of that if in your heart even if right now your lifestyle is the opposite of what a Christian ought to be but if in your heart there is this, this little homing beacon, you can't turn it off. It just keeps calling to you. You're made for better things than this. This is not who you are. You can leave this life. You can change. If you've got that thing inside of you, something in you, that's, all, that's authentically you. If you have a heart that is soft toward God at all, it is calling to you. It is begging for you to take action. For you to decide. Make up your mind once and for all that you will serve the Lord and you will serve only the Lord. I won't belabor this at all because you'll either decide or you won't decide. It's your call. But if you're here today, I want to start with you. You're here today. You know you're not walking with the Lord. But you've got hope. Because you're here today. And He's calling to you. And you feel in your heart, your own heart is telling you to go. It's not like you hate it, you're against it. But there's something in you, that little, little voice. And it's begging you to make a change. It's begging you to make up your mind. It's begging you to step out and come to Jesus. I want to invite you to do that right now. I'm going to invite you to do that right now. Don't wait. Go ahead and do it right now. If you're here and that's you, just step out. All you got to do, you just come down here and kneel down. That's all I'm asking you to do. Don't wait on anybody else. Anybody here, you're going to be the first one. 
today. Let's pray for them. Father, we pray across this house if there's anybody in this room and they are here in between a decision. Pray, Lord God, they will make their decision. They will choose. Thank you, Lord. They will choose. Help them, Holy Spirit. Give them the courage and the strength to step out and do the hard thing. Maybe maybe you've been walking with the Lord and you've gotten yourself into just a weird lifestyle of sort of walking with the Lord and sort of not. And this is your day to say, I, I want to recommit myself. Would you come on this side? And you know what it's about. And you know there are actions required. You need to go apologize to somebody. You need to pay back something you took. You need to discontinue. you got to break off something. You know what it is. And by coming today, you're saying, I'll take action. I will fix this problem. Anybody here? Say, I want to get right. I want to line up. I want to clarify my direction in life. I am making a choice. I will be loyal to the Lord. pray for our brothers and sisters over here. Father God, I want to thank you for the courage in their heart. I want to thank you that they had the courage to come to your house. And today they bow themselves before you. And we bless them and we love them. And we say good things over them, Lord. We break them free from any power of darkness that has held them in bondage. Anything they've been involved in, God, that has held them down or is breaking them down. In Jesus' name, we curse it. We rebuke it. We tear it loose for them so that they are free. We cast anything out of them that shouldn't be in them. And we set them free to serve you. This is their day. And they brought themselves with their own free will. They brought themselves to your altar to dedicate themselves to you. And we welcome them. We did exactly what they are doing. All of us. This is how we started. And we thank you and we welcome them into the family of the Lord's people. We will be here and we will help them. We will strengthen them. We will encourage them. We will teach them what we've learned. We will guide them. We take responsibility for them. We take responsibility for them. And we thank you for them. And Lord, everybody who's come on the other side that is here to rededicate themselves and Line their life up properly. We pray for them also, Father. That their way will be straight. They will prepare the way for the Lord. They will make their path straight. And the flow of God into their life will be so amazing. Now that they are in alignment with you. We thank you, Lord. And I want to pray for everybody in the house today. I pray that we will take our actions more seriously and that you will speak to each of us on this, the Lord's Day, and we will make a list of necessary actions, things that we know we are being told to do, not things to think and not things to believe, but things we are being told to do, and we will do these things. We dedicate ourselves today to fix what is broken, fix what is out of alignment, 
and to do the work of the Lord. We are the people of God and we will live like it and we will show it from the decisions that we make and the actions that we take. We do all this for your glory. We do it all in the name of Jesus.